Welcome to Capturing Calm. I'm Ellie McDonald, a mindful nature photographer, currently studying for my master's degree in mindfulness and compassion at the University of Aberdeen. I'm delighted to have you join me as we embark on another journey where photography meets mindfulness. Whether you're an experienced photographer, a mindfulness practitioner, or you're just curious about either of those, this episode is your doorway into a world where every click of the shutter is a step into presence and awareness. The following episode does contain mentions of self-harm and suicide. In this episode, I'm speaking to Tracy Anderson, a therapeutic photographer in Glasgow who also volunteers at a local charity helping others explore photography and its positive effects on mental health. Tracy was diagnosed with anxiety and depression after the birth of her first child, and she was struggling with, as she puts it, the never ending darkness that was going on inside her head. Tracy tried several medications and one of the side effects led to periods of self-harm and suicidal thoughts. So after a visit to the hospital, her medication was changed, but she didn't receive any additional support. When her child started school, she found the motivation to get outside. It was after a school run one morning that she continued walking to the college to see what classes she might be able to take. And the photography course popped out at her. She wanted to try it, so she signed up. She ended up taking her HND and then her degree in photography. And during her degree, she produced several projects with the main theme being her mental health, which she described as liberating. Some of Tracy's work was actually published in the national newspaper together with an interview about her mental health. After the birth of her second child, Tracy struggled with her mental health again, and it was at this time that she was referred to Quarriers, a Scottish social care charity based in Inverclyde. They visited her home and encouraged her to join some of the groups at the centre, and with support from Quarriers, she started to feel like herself again, but she needed something else to focus her mind on. She turned back to photography, as this had helped her so much in the past. Shortly after lockdown, Tracy attended a talk by Dr. Neil Gibson that he was giving on his book, Therapeutic Photography. It was here that she realised the power of therapeutic photography, because as she says, you're learning more about yourself and how you see the world. Plus, it's easier to talk about your emotions when you're not directly making eye contact with someone. Tracy then wanted to help others as Quarriers had helped her with her struggles and she now volunteers for the charity and runs a therapeutic photography group for other new mums who are struggling with their mental health. Tracy is a real inspiration to me and most certainly to many others so I really hope you enjoy our conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on to Capturing Calm today, Tracy. It's so, so wonderful to have you here. Um, your journey through mental health challenges and photography is really inspiring. And can you share with our listeners how you initially discovered the therapeutic power of photography in coping with your mental health struggle? Yeah, um, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It was probably when I was studying my HND in photography and there was a brief called Self for the documentary class and we could really do anything we wanted with it it just had to be something about us personally Um, and I decided to do something about my mental health which I had struggled with at that point but but the thing was like you had to have 
like 10 prints as your final and then they were going to be displayed in the photography department so all other classes and tutors would be able to see them and I think that was really daunting um, but, I st- but I still stuck with stuck with that theme and I powered through and as weeks progressed like we had like a number of weeks to get it done by as the weeks progressed I found it quite liberating yeah, that, like that's when I kind of discovered like the therapeutic benefits of it, and yeah, it made me feel like after it was done, and and what what? How did you get into the class, the photography class? Was it an interest you had, or was it something else that sort of prompted you to go and take that that photography class? It was probably when I think when my oldest was just in nursery. Um, I had an accident. I'm not going to details about that, but when I was recovered, I wasn't working. Um, but I didn't know what to stay in the house. I wanted to go and do something, and so I looked to like colleges like nearby, and I thought the photography class sounded good, and that was like an NC. So I did that, and I think that was the scariest year of my life. Like I felt like giving up every single day. My wee one had just started school and the college was just around the corner. So I thought, I'm out already taking her to school. We'll just go around the corner and I can go to college. And I think if I didn't have them as motivation to get out in the first place, I, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. And yeah, then- that was really brave of you to do that. To to It's hard enough to get out of the house when you're feeling like that, but then yeah. to push yourself and go, do you know what, right, I'm just going to go further and go to the college. That was good. That was really brave. Yeah. And by the end of that year, everybody was talking about like, what they were going to do now, like, like moving on, like doing the HND. The only thing was that that college that was just literally around the corner for me, they, didn't, they only did the NC, so you would have to go somewhere else to do like, anything further. I went for an interview for a HND. At City of Glasgow College, um, and again, and again, I just felt like giving up all the time. It was so scary. It was so much bigger. There was like four classes, four HND classes, so big compared to like this wee tiny NC class I had. That I think it was called John Wheatley then, but it's I think it's called something else now. Your photography has played a really important role in your personal healing, and. What I'm really interested to know is, is there a specific moment or project where you felt that your mental health improved because of your involvement in photography? Yeah, so so like I was talking about, I did that project in HND year and, and then that was the only thing I did with mental health like that year, like then I went on to do the degree. There's a lot more creative freedom in the degree. Um, like not not so much specific brief. You have to write your own briefs and think about the subject and stuff. And it's that was really scary, but like like I was saying, like a lot more freedom to do what you wanted and like how I explored my mental health. I wanted to go deeper into that because I would have had more time. And so I did a pro- project called the Darkness Within, and the images I produced there were like lots of landscapes and more me- metaphorical um, in nature and stuff um, like because the self brief the images were kind of obvious like 
you could tell what they were right away, like my their palm scars, like my medication, tears running down my face. Mm-hmm. You did a really nice photo of um, a mask that you took off. Oh, and yeah. there was something underneath. I thought that was really great. I'll, I'll share that. I'll share your page in the show notes and people can go and have a look. But you can definitely tell what the story you were trying to tell in those photos. And were, they, were those, was that one, that mask one, was that one part of the, the um, project as well? I don't think that was the Darkness Within one. Mm. Uh, the Darkness Within, because uh, I took a lot of like landscapes and stuff, but I did a lot of save portraits as well for that. Like the one with my hand coming out the mirror. Mm, yeah. That was um, in the Darkness Within. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were given that freedom to do your own work or your own projects or set your own kind of um, themes, if you like, did that then let you explore your creativity? Because the reason I ask this is because I didn't used to think I was a creative person at all, like in any way, like I wasn't arty or, you know, nothing I did. I didn't think I was creative until I started photography. And then I started to explore like creativity and how actually I am quite creative in some of the things I take. Did you have that? Did you have that feeling when you started to be able to I guess explore your own themes and your own projects. Did that creativity kind of come to the fore? Did you, or did you already have know that you had a bit of creativity there? Well, I still think I, I'm not very creative. Well, you are <laughs> because you, that project's incredible. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I really like the degree for that reason that you could just pick a theme and just go and see what it took you and mm. um, you didn't have somebody telling you to meet these specific things that you had to do for a brief. During, during when I was doing the de- degree I was seeing a psychologist at the time who introduced me and a mindfulness and I had heard about mindfulness before mm-hmm. what, yeah, but didn't really practice that because you need to practice that all the time but my psychologist, who was amazing, got me to do it like all the time. And I took my dog out. There was this forest where we live, and I used to take him for walks and just practice. And I guess yeah. the, th- the nice thing about mindfulness is you can do it when you're walking or when you're doing something else. You don't necessarily have to do it as a meditation, like sitting down. Because I know that I-, I find that really difficult to maintain a like a formal sitting down mindfulness practice. So I think, yeah, it's really nice to do it when you're walking the dog because it almost stops your mind from going to places you don't really want it to go to. It's, it's, it's a more, it's, I guess, a safer way for some people to practice mindfulness. Do you find, do you find that? Yeah, definitely. Like I, mm. I really struggle like sitting still, like doing any, trying to do any meditations or stuff like I cannot sit still, I cannot stop my mind racing, fighting sound when I've got a camera, even if it's just my phone camera, we'll be my wee bun. we'll like do some mindfulness and like she'll see things that maybe if, if we're in a rush, like you, you, they just go by and you don't notice them and she'll notice like there's, oh look that looks like a rainbow, like an oil spill on the road, like She'll notice wee things like that. My phone is like full of like spider webs and slugs and <laughs> daisies and yeah. 
and I think she encourages me to like slow down and not rushing so much and yeah noticing is really important and and it's really nice that she's doing it as well so it's almost like she's learned that from you and you're learning from her too so it's a really nice shared experience isn't it I know that you have been involved with the one project and also you went to it was a talk on Neil Gibson's um book about therapeutic photography it had a yeah. symposium in Glasgow um, just, mm-hmm. after, just after lockdown, I think it was. Um, and I went to that and it was so interesting because at that point I had just started volunteering at Quadriers in the Maternal Wellbeing Service who really helped me because when I was pregnant with my newborn and then afterwards postnatally, like, my mental health was so bad. Mm. It really helped me. So, like, they asked me, like, would you consider volunteering? And I was like, yeah, like, I didn't want to leave there. Like, I got so much out of them, and, like, I really wanted to give back to other mums as well. And I was telling them about going to this talk, and, like, they knew, like, I did photography and stuff as well. And they were like, oh, yeah, you should take that group. I was like, no, I was just talking about it. Like, you should... (laughs) Get somebody to do this group. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my first group, I was like so terrified. At the same time, like these mums are in a really vulnerable place too. Like, so we all get through it together. Yeah, and if we could just rewind a little bit, because I really like to know about Quarriers because it's a charity that I'd not actually heard of before I, I spoke to you. So. What do Quarriers do and how did they help you how did they help you when you were struggling? Right. Um Quarriers are a charity and they help lots of individuals and families, like just giving them support in different areas. Um so there's like a, a brain injury clinic and stuff as well, like at, mm. at a di- different location. I don't have anything to do with them. There's like an epilepsy one as well, I'm sure. Um but really the centre I'll volunteer at it's the maternal wellbeing side of it because that's who helped me when when I was pregnant my anxiety was so bad like I was crying to my midwife who put me in touch with um like a psychologist no a psychiatrist a CPM um, and a support worker and they only see you up until the baby's a year but I wasn't ready for, for, for them to go um, and they put me in touch with Quarriers, um, and they helped me. Like we had one to ones, there's postnatal support group, like there's baby groups as well. Like you can come. Um, like, I think the one I really liked was growing together. Like, I used to take Caitlin too, and there's like all these sensory toys, and then there's all the other mums, and you can just have a chat. Mm-hmm. Sounds really lovely. So it really saved you at a point where you, know, you didn't really have much else to help you. Mm. When it, when it was so bad, my husband would go out to work. Our older one was at school, and I would have to get him to bring everything downstairs that I needed. So I did not have to go upstairs holding a baby, and I wouldn't leave her downstairs. Like even though she was safe, if she was in like a wee bath net, she would be safe. Man's mm. Out of control, like mm-hmm. yeah. So Quarrels really saved me. Like talk about stuff and 
Yeah. That's amazing. And now, so now you're volunteering for them to, because they helped you so much, which is incredible. And you run the group to help postnatal women. You help them by practicing therapeutic photography with them. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, has, has the program benefited the group participants in any way? Have you seen that that happen? Have you seen that happen? Have you seen any like improvements through the photography? Yeah, I think so. Um, in the back of Neil Gibson's book, there's like a six-week program um, that you could follow. So I like I kind of followed that for the six weeks. But the the very first session, I just talk about me and like I show like lots of photography like I've done, and I talk about my story and my mental health, like my struggles with postnatal depression and stuff. And I, th- I think we, I, th- I think when they come in, they're like nervous. They don't know what they're going to have to do, but they don't have to do anything. They just have to sit there, have a cup of tea and a biscuit, and listen to me, um, lots. And I think it takes the pressure off them, because like, they don't really have to, like, do anything yet. Like, and I think a lot of them related to parts of my story. Yeah, I guess like hearing you talk about your story to women that are going through the same thing is helpful in itself because it makes, it, you know, they're not on their own anymore, that they know that there's somebody else and, and potentially other people in the group as well. So so that's already helping. And then um, obviously doing the, the, the course or the participating in the group helps them. Um, what do you what do you do with them? What do you what do you do in, in the group? Do they have, do they take their own photos or do you look at, yeah, okay. So yeah. What do, what do you do with them? What's the, the outline? Like taking, looking at photos and also like taking their own photos. Um, so like the, after I talk about my story, like we do like a wee icebreaker exercise and it's just like loads of postcards with lots of different photographs on them. And they're asked to pick one or two that jumps out to them and then talk about why, why they chose that one, what they were feeling. And really quickly they were able to open up about all this emotional stuff. Um, And I had just literally met them, which was, it was really touching, like for them to be able to do that because it's really scary. Mm. And one of the, one of the first exercises, like I give, is like homework. Um, after the fu- the first day is like to take a self portrait, but it has to be. It's not like a selfie, like with weird filters on it or anything like that. It's mm. has to be something they like about themselves, because you you always focus on the stuff you don't like about yourself, and that exercise really encourages them to look at the things they do like about themselves. So that one was really good. Mm, yeah, that's really nice. I suppose you could, you could, like zoom in in your hands or something, or uh, something that you do like instead of yeah, because we do as as people and as women, we really do um, focus on the things that we don't like, and it can and and the last thing you want to do is is see that in a photo. So it's nice to 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 look at to look at those things. And what what do you want to achieve out of volunteering for couriers in this way what are your goals i don't know i just want to help mums express themselves and Mm. feel better because Mm -hmm. 
it's horrible being in that dark place and feeling like you can't get out of it and like like I said, like I wouldn't leave the house, like it was so bad, like like everything just scared me like all the time. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you had a camera and when you when you first found um, photography as a sort of a therapeutic approach, did that help you to leave the house? Maybe not with a camera, but even just with your phone, did it help you to leave the house just because you knew it's okay, I'm doing this practice and that helped you to get out? Did did it help in that way? Yeah, I think, I think like doing the therapeutic photography with we, the group, it really brought me back to photography because I had like, while I was in that dark place, like I wasn't getting out, like I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't camera. Mm. And then when I went to that um, symposium and then doing the group, really encouraged me to like do my own stuff and that's when I started my blog again and uh, doing my, my Instagram, like putting my stuff out there. Like I, I wasn't doing anything. Like I have loads of images just stuck on hard drive doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your blog. Is that something that you've started recently or have you been on there for a while? It's a fabulous resource for anybody who wants to dip their toe into some therapeutic photography and some insights from you. When did I start it? It was years ago. It was probably mm. probably when I was in when I was doing the degree. I started mm-hmm. it because I think one of the a few of the first images I posted was when I did a project from a degree, and it was mindfulness photography, and it was just images of clouds, and it was also on film, so it, it like really slowed down the process even more. You consider every shot I think that was the ones that I had posted first so that was like 10 years ago when I was doing the therapeutic photography group like it really encouraged me to like pick that back up and I post a lot more frequently Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice it's a really good blog and again we'll link to it because it's it's a really lovely place to go if you just want to have a read and and I like how um you're very honest in it um it's obviously everything comes from the heart and the head and it's it's a really it's a really nice place to be if you're if you are in that position and you're looking at exploring something and (laughs) you're welcome as someone who has experienced this transformative power of photography in the context of your own mental health what advice or maybe insights would you share with anybody that's interested in exploring that as a means of self-expression and and healing particularly for postnatal um, women as well i think it's important to stress that you don't really need any fancy photography equipment like uh, some of the women like some of my images they're like i hope you don't expect me to produce something like that and I was like, no, that's not what it's about. It's you can use your, the phone on your camera, and that that's what they all did. Like it was their phones that they use because you you carry your phone all the time. I like, yeah, I I I tend to go with that ethos as well. You really don't need all the gear to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cameras on phones are getting so much better now as well. <laughs> they really are. Sometimes <laughs> you can't tell which one I've taken on my camera and which one I've taken on my phone because they oh. they are really good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, lots of photos on Instagram that I've just took on my phone. Mm, same. Yeah. I'd probably say, like, whatever camera you're, you're using, though, like, know it inside out, like, know what it's capable of, 
so you can get the most out of it, like whatever you're trying to capture, whatever in your head, you know, you know how to achieve that. And like go with perfection, like that's a really hard one for me. Like I am such a perfectionist. Like everything has to go a certain way, and but then some of, some of my favorite images were pure fluke, like pure accident. Um, mm-hmm. there's there's one I took in a forest. I've not posted it yet. Um, and it looks like ICM, but my tripod wasn't tightened properly, and the camera just went. Just it didn't. Even, it wasn't falling off. It just tilted yeah. as as the shutter was pressed, and it's just like this pure blur um, of trees, and I really like it. That's yeah. great because I am so bad. I've tried ICM, which is in- it's intentional camera movement. Is that what it means? Yeah. And uh, I've tried it and my- all mine look bad. And I do think it would take a fluke for for, <laughs> for me to get a good one. So I-, I can't wait to see that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll post that later, actually. Yeah, do. Yeah, I'd love to see that because I've tried and they're just like, no, this just looks like really rubbish, blurry. <laughs> But yeah, perfection. No, that's tr- that's a that's a good one because we're not looking for when we're when we're doing this kind of photography. It's it's about being in the moment and the process instead of the outcome. So yeah, I think that's a really good tip for for anybody that wants to get into it. Yeah, I think you need to really approach photography, like mindfulness photography, therapeutic photography, in a really experimental way. See what happens. Mistakes are where the magic happens. Absolutely true absolutely true and then once you've made that mistake you say oh hang on what did I do well not wrong because it's not wrong but what did I do there that actually made that happen you can learn from that and then you can take that into your other photos and that's I guess that's where you learn isn't it that's where you grow as Bryce Evans says from the one project you are the most important project of your life and that's probably advice I would give that is perfect advice to finish on that's amazing um yeah I love that I love that a lot um where can our listeners find you and follow your work if they want to to see what you've done and see what you're doing mentalphotographyblog.wordpress.com and my instagram is mental-photographyblog Mm-hmm. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll link them in the show notes and on the Substack post so everybody will be able to find you and um, get in contact with you if they want to and have a look at your photos because I really do encourage everybody to look at your pictures. Some of the ones I, I shared one on my Instagram yesterday, obviously this is going to go out later, but um, that you took, the, actually the last few that you've posted have really been amazing at conveying that emotion or that feeling that you've you've felt or that you've put in the in the caption and um and yes I have to say you are you are the genius at it so I really do think that people should go and check out your stuff because it's really good I think as well like photography like really helps like combining photography and like writing like journaling or it really helps like get everything out like everything that's stuck in my head just mm. on a screen mm-hmm. as a as an image or writing and um, mm-hmm. the two really helped me yeah I can relate totally relate to that I feel exactly the same and I'm not amazing at journaling like 
I will, tr- I'll say, right, I, you know, in January, I'm going to journal every day, but I, I, it never lasts. But I do seem to be able to keep up the Instagram posts or the photography to express that, those feelings. And I think, yeah, it's just people just need to experiment with it, don't they? And see, find what, what works for them. So, yeah, I think they'll, um, I think they'll enjoy your stuff. So thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really fun talking to you. It's been really wonderful um, getting to know you and good luck with your Quarius group. I think it's brilliant what you're doing there. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Capturing Calm. If you'd like to catch up with me online, you can find me on Instagram at capturing.calm or on Substack, www.capturingcalm.substack.com. Until next time, keep capturing moments and let each photograph be a mindful discovery.